Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of MSW Media and the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is D. Knight of the Pardon the Insurrection podcast. I love when he's on. He has so much to say. We're going to cover a lot. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener funded and woman run. Visit patreon.com slash start me up to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get a bonus What's Up episode every Tuesday. It's kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and I talk about whatever's on my mind. There's also an ad free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash start me up. Now, please enjoy my conversation with D Knight. Welcome back to the show, D-Knight. It is a pleasure. Thank you for having me yet again. Always a pleasure. And it seems you always follow Boozy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to mention that, actually. I was like, <laughs> why is it every time you have on, have him on, I got to follow up the next week. I'm like, damn, what if I didn't feel like bringing my A-game? Like, why you got to have on the uh, most You always bring your A-game. You Thanks. Uh, and I, it's never planned. It just no, that's happens. my guy, though. <laughs> and as I told you off mic, part of the reason I wanted you to come on the show today is tonight I'm going to be hosting a town hall on Spoutable, the Spoutable Pods, which is like Spaces on Twitter with uh, Texas Representative Jasmine Crockett. So, woohoo, I'm so excited. But, you know, obviously there's a lot on my mind. It's a heavy day. And you are always like crazy prepared. You always bring up such great topics. I'm usually the one who picks the topics, but you're a podcaster yourself. So, you always have, and your takes on social media are just fantastic. So, that's why I, I want to. okay sometimes. <laughs> You do. You're, you make a lot of really good points. And, and you're one of the people that I like to listen to because, you know, I mean, there's there's the like newsy kinds of pundits. And then there's people like us where we just kind of talk about things in a more realistic way. And you have this not only are you funny, but like you have a different and interesting point of view. And I think it's not I don't want to say different, but in the way that you frame things and you, you frame things in a way that's unique and stuff we haven't heard before so that's why you're one of my favorite follows and i'm not just kissing your ass because you're on my i I know i kiss a lot of people's ass on my pods it's because i like them (laughs) it's like i genuinely like them i don't mind pretending like that never happened so i feel like i'm special it's like i'm the only guy you've ever dated you haven't slept with anyone else you were a virgin before we know but (laughs) no Oh my God. So there's so much going on and you had given me a list of things that we could talk about. So let's just start. I'm going to go off your list because you're going to make my life easy. So the first thing is how Democrats continue to outperform the polls. They keep, and and I'm just going to throw in that ever since Donald Trump was inaugurated, Democrats have been winning consistently. I mean, we go back to that first, I don't remember uh, which which month it was, but it was the first special election in Virginia in 2017. And it was phenomenal. Democrats won, took over whatever House, Senate, whatever was happening there. I don't even remember the details. But I do remember it was, um, you know, a, a record number of women and people in the LGBTQ community. So, and they're getting into Congress. And we saw that happening right after Trump. So, I just want to hear what you have to say in the bigger picture, especially when it comes to the election coming up, how you think this is going to affect because Democrat Democrats are outperforming the polls, which are all bullshit. <laughs> Ooh, man, it is tough. I, I'm not even sure where to start with, with all of that. Uh, other than apparently the Democratic Party now at this point is a party that we, we overperform in low turnout elections mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we overperform in high turnout elections. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. It's some shit that, you know, I never would have thought was possible when I was younger. I mean, I, I was like focused on politics so much as a teenager, but you know, one of the things that was common in the nineties is the lower the turnout, the more likely it would be the Republicans would win. Mm-hmm. And now it seems not only have, have those tables turned, Republicans are just at a complete disadvantage in 2024 and probably for a number of reasons, but obviously because the Republican party is insane and normal people are not excited to turn out to vote for these people. Yeah. Um, But I also think to some degree, like (laughs) Biden doesn't get enough credit Mm -hmm. for the job that he's done steering the ship over the past four years. Like I know he hasn't been out there campaigning 
and obviously the media has, you know, I, I, they seem to have some intentions of possibly trying to make this election appear as close as possible for, mm-hmm. for ratings purposes, but uh, that's probably a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the fact that since he's been been in office, uh, the course of over the course of off year elections like 2021 and 2023, as well as the midterms, Democrats beating expectations and not just beating expectations, beating the hell out of Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, like that the polling continues to like not reflect reality. Like, I don't know what the issue is there. I mean, I know the sample sizes, you know, typically come into question, but the sample sizes aren't necessarily uh, any more divergent from what was happening pre-2016. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume that it's some bias in the way the samples are being made or being weighted rather. Mm-hmm. But like, I guess I'm, I'm too off in the weeds there. The bigger picture mm-hmm. here is that the polls are fucking wrong, <laughs> generally speaking. And like, it's not that you shouldn't pay them any attention. Right. It's that like, you shouldn't use them as a matrix of whether or not it's, whether or not Democrats are going to perform well, mm-hmm. but maybe you can look at them as like a waypoint for, you know, whether or not Democrats need to change their messaging. So if the polls are moving uh, in one direction or the other, like just take that as a sign that maybe, hey, this thing is working, this other thing isn't, and go from there. But like, don't get all been out of shape. Like, <laughs> It, it, it's really funny too, because in 2016, you know, everyone was out. Um, they were outraged at what they saw to be flawed polling uh, when it came to the results of the 2016 president presidential election. But if you really go back and look, I think October of 2016, there, the polls had Hillary Clinton somewhere around like a two and a half three point lead, mm-hmm. and on election day. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. She won by like two and a half, three points. We just, <laughs> yeah, we're just all traumatized from the fact that the electoral college exists yeah. and the national polls don't necessarily predict election outcomes as it pertains to the presidency. And I, I think we've just got this collective trauma from that. Mm-hmm. Even though 2016 was the only year they've gotten it right, and they've been wrong ever since. <laughs> yes, and you know, people keep saying that they. 2016 was wrong and I agree with you it wasn't wrong um and what was it's because of the electoral college and it's because of the way that basically the Russians I'm not blaming everything on the Russians but they did manipulate and they focused on those swing states pushing Jill Stein and that absolutely had something to do with it but what I would like to add into the poll situation at least from what I understand from uh, Simon Rosenberg is that the, the way that the pollsters are conducting their polls right now, they're not going with the more expensive elaborate. They're going with cheaper polls that are usually um, done maybe like with, with numbers that have not been updated. So they're, you know, there's all these new newly registered voters, but their numbers are not on you know, the, the, the calls sheets for polling. And then on top of it, how many times do you answer your phone when you get that a call? That is totally fair. Yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, it was funny because I said this, I think the last show, but I was talking to Bob and, and I said to him, you know, I get all these calls that I don't answer. I'm going to start answering them. And the next call that I got was literally a pollster. So, um, and it was a friendly democratic pollster, but it was just, it was funny to me that, you know, so many of us, and especially Gen Zers are not necessarily answering their polls. And I'm going to throw in again, I'm going to remind everybody of this again, that uh, it was it was like last week there was a YouGov poll that showed 71% for Biden with Gen Zers. That's you know there there was also an NBC poll that eventually came out was only white men over 50 basically were were polled. So and it had to do with with the favorability. You know so we we look at these polls and I mean I agree we should take them with a grain of salt maybe use them to improve messaging and and get a, but we can't really take them seriously now and then the the networks 
or the cable networks run with them as if it's real. And then everybody starts panicking. And then everybody starts yelling because, you know, the, the media is also focusing on how old Joe Biden is. And then they just say, oh, my God, the polls are saying this, which the polls aren't even accurate. And then they run to this thing. The reason is this. And it's all bullshit. And it pisses me off. And I'm actually weirdly feeling extremely optimistic about this. Um, I don't think Donald Trump is going to win. I'm not saying he won't, but I just don't think he will. I mean, do you do you have a feeling on that? Um, I mean, my feelings are probably not relevant compared to <laughs> like what we've seen in in actual data. So, like, I don't know. Maybe the self-selecting sample bias is a problem with mm-hmm. the way polls are being conducted. Obviously, like you said, um, there's like a you know an age age range. Of people who are yeah. more likely to answer their phone or not in that particular age range tends to, you know, lean Republican. That's 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 one thing. Yeah. But like the reason I'm likely optimistic about our chances in November are just based on actual votes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every yeah, me every too. time there's an opportunity to turn out to vote for a Democrat over a Republican in a place the Democrats aren't expected to win, they overperform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, it, the data is so clear cut about that, that it's it's practically inarguable. And I just can't understand why the news media doesn't tend to focus on that, but that, that's fine. That's okay. They can handle the news the way they choose. <laughs> we can actually look at results of the elections mm-hmm. here, especially, um, it's, <sighs> I I do get frustrated with media coverage in this one sense, for sure. Like, the fact that Trump barely beat Nikki Haley uh, in in one uh, Republican primary, Mm -hmm. while Biden completely smashed his opponents in the same primary, and, like, the media covers Trump's win is like, you know, he trounced the opposition. And then Biden like wins in a dramatic fashion. It's like, eh, who I know. cares? <laughs> and that I do find frustrating. Yeah. And I do find it is like a particularly interesting method of, of, of drumming up clicks, right? Because mm-hmm. you know Biden's boring. Placing your support behind the boring guy who does a pretty decent job, it doesn't get attention. And we know the the way the media functions at this point is it thrives off of clicks and engagement, mm-hmm. and you just get a lot more engagement like making the normal guy out to be a spectacle and normalizing the insane person. And that's just going to be an obstacle we have to deal with. But it doesn't seem as though the people who actually turn out to vote are falling victim to this nonsense. So that, that does give me Mm -hmm. uh, a slight bit of optimism. As you said, like nothing's written in stone. Of course, like it's, it's just February Mm -hmm. elections, months and months away and if you don't know if you remember anything about 2016 or 2020 uh, a number of things can change over that period of time and we're probably going to get to some of that in just a moment but as it (laughs) seems all of the things that are likely to change between now and election day are bad for trump (laughs) yes they are um you know i actually want to i want to take that into some of these things that could happen um before now in the election so one of the topics that you brought to me was the Supreme Court shell game with Trump's appeals. Now, I just want to start this off before we get into any, and I'm not the best at talking about all the legal stuff. Um, I will leave most of that to you. I'll chime in. But um, ultimately, I just have this feeling, and I could be wrong about this. is just a gut feeling based on everything that you just said, really, um, that there there's an indication that the public isn't falling for this. So falling for the fact that the media is turning this into a horse race and whatever the Republicans are saying, that I feel if we do not get to see Trump convicted before the 2024 election, obviously I think that would be a huge, uh, how would you say this, Uh, something of justice, mishandling of justice, whatever. It it would not be justice. It It would be the opposite of justice. But 
All of that said, I don't necessarily think that if we don't see a conviction, that means he has a much better chance of winning. I think it makes I think he would have a much higher chance of losing in a much bigger way if he's convicted. But I don't think if he's if nothing happens legally, except for a few of these, you know, court cases that aren't really that big of a deal in, in some of the you know, it's it's not like the documents case or what or the one six case. I think that um, well, there's also the other uh, in Georgia, and those are big. But I but I think that ultimately, I don't you, think he's you left going out to... another one. But it's totally fine. He's got so many court cases. I know there's so up. many. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there's so I don't even know what I'm leaving out because there's so fucking many, and there's 91 counts. And so I just I think that we still have a shot, a, a good shot, of winning without him being convicted. Do you agree with that? Whew. All right. Yes, but probably for a reason that, like, I feel like I'm the only person that ever even mentions. Um, <laughs> so if, well, first, we'll start with the Supreme Court. So obviously, last week, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments about whether or not Trump will be removed from the ballot. And if you've been paying attention at all, you know, everyone practically agrees that the Supreme Court is not going to toss him off the ballot. They don't want to get involved in that. Again, at this point, their name is like, their name is Bennett and they ain't in it. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to do anything proactive uh, as far as holding Trump responsible. And I think people also have come to to assume this idea that what they're going to do is they're going to throw Trump a bone in the ballot case, not have him removed, mm -hmm. but they're also not going to uphold his immunity claim. So yeah. clearly... <laughs> the indication that you get from that is that the Supreme Court is not out here to call balls and strikes or like, I don't know, discern whether or not something is or isn't constitutional. <laughs> the business they're in is the same as the business you and I are in. That is politics. Mm -hmm. Right, because by the letter of the law, especially with the conservative justices on the Supreme Court, like they subscribe to the theory of textualism. Like you look at the fucking words on the document, and if it's plain text, it it means what it says. It is. They didn't give a shit about none of that last week. Yeah. <laughs> so at least that route for for winning twenty twenty four seems to be out of the door. But also, you know, there's the possibility that they do engage in some level of shenanigans in entertaining this immunity, mm -hmm. um, this presidential immunity deal, and delaying his trial uh, in in D.C. just by taking this up and issuing a stay, which could potentially push the trial after Election Day. Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that that's likely going to happen, but it's a possibility. So yes. let's, let's go from there. Let's say the Supreme Court is like, hey, man, we'll, we'll take a look at this, hold off on that trial. All right, we got Judge Cannon down in Florida. She's obviously doing everything in her power to make sure the documents case is delayed. Mm -hmm. Say something gets derailed with this Georgia case, the RICO case, because, again, if you're listening to this podcast yes. today, there's a hearing going on which could or could not disqual disqualify Fonnie Willis's office. Mm -hmm. So say something goes terribly awry there, and then all you're left with is the hush money payments case in New York. Mm -hmm. Say something goes wrong there. All right. It's November. Fast forward. <laughs> Trump hasn't been convicted in any of these criminal trials. What does that election look like? Well, obviously, if those situations occur, Trump is going to claim that it's a massive victory. He's mm -hmm. going to say all of the investigations were a sham. They were a witch hunt. Uh, complete and total exoneration the same way he did with Robert Mueller's report, mm -hmm. which was the opposite of a complete exoneration. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. You're like, damn, that's going to be tough to beat. Of course it is, because what the media will do is they will just mirror Trump's talking points mm -hmm. and beam that shit directly into people's brains and give Trump the boost he might need to have a chance at possibly winning the election. I think the wild card here, though, is that People seem to assume that because Jack Smith has indicted Trump in a couple of jurisdictions, that that investigation is over. That is not the case. 
the investigation has actually been uh, proceeding along all these all these months, even since issuing an indictment against Trump last year. The question no one seems to be willing to ask is, what the fuck are these people still investigating? And I think the answer is rather obvious, right? Has anyone talked about the the individuals who were surrounding Trump, who were involved in the war rooms mm-hmm. in D.C. on January 6th? No. What about the members of Congress, the senators and House representatives that were involved in participating in uh, the fake elector plot, the fraudulent documents? Anyone talked about that here lately? Nope. What about the fake electors themselves? Yeah. You know, we've got a number of state investigations um, where fake electors have been indicted or some are cooperating or have pled guilty. What's Jack Smith doing about that? Seems like not a thing, right? Yeah. Well, I think because the way I understand Jack Smith to operate is this dude always has a plan B yeah. in case things go wrong. Huh. Uh, you know, like with this appeal that Trump filed uh, with the Supreme Court to have them take up um, his immunity plea. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the judge uh, issued a ruling saying Jack Smith had a week to respond. It took him a day. Yeah, it's almost as if he had the paperwork right. ready to go because <laughs> uh, he knew it was coming. Yeah, right. Well, say say these trials with Trump get delayed mm-hmm. to a post election. Um, I think the plan here was to do everything in his power to make sure that all these cases were streamlined, which means indicting as few people as possible, so there are as few complications as possible and few opportunities as possible for them to be delayed. And if that goes haywire, it's indictment time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're getting all the fake electors. I think we're getting a number of the individuals um, hmm. who are also involved in Trump's coup plot who were in Congress and just everyone who happened to be involved in planning the attack on January 6th that might be associated with Trump. Hmm. You could look at a number of individuals who were involved in this Georgia Rico case. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're like, if if Trump is number one on Jack Smith's list, these guys are number two. Mm-hmm. And if these trials get delayed, he doesn't have any reason to hold back. It's open season on everybody. That's a great think, point, yeah. I think that might actually be more damning. <laughs> that might be more damning than actually have some of these cases take place because if members of Congress get indicted, yeah. all it takes is a handful of House members to decide to resign and cooperate, mm-hmm. and Democrats gain control of the House, which would be far more harmful to Trump's elect- electoral chances. Uh, than maybe even a guilty plea or rather yeah. a guilty verdict. And and I'm right there with you. I just I kind of want to throw this in there because I don't want to ever, anyone to forget the fact that Joe Biden got like eight million more votes than Donald Trump did in 2020 when there were no criminal indictments. So I don't think that his you know and we know his base is dwindling and we know that there are people out there who don't like Biden but they really hate Trump. And so, you know, he continues, he, he continues, he's quoting Hitler. He's talking about uh, going to war with NATO. I mean, it, it, it's insane. What, and he's only going to get worse because even if he's not, in, if, he, if he doesn't have to show up for any court case, if he's not convicted or whatever, he's still going to be scared because he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, especially if he thinks Biden is going to win. And now we all know he does live in his own bubble, so he might be fooling himself enough to think that he's going to win. I absolutely would believe that he could fool himself into that because that's like, it's the only way he could cope because there's so many, you know, the walls are closing in in so many directions that I like the only freedom he would have is in his, in his imagination. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I think he's terrified. And so I think we're going to see, I just want to throw that out there that in 2020, there were no criminal indictments or, or investigations or anything. And he's still lost by a big number, and his his popularity has gone down. So no, you're absolutely right. He was as strong as he was ever going to be. Yeah. In in 2020, and that was you know. Yeah. After doing a, a terrible job at, at exactly. handling the pandemic, he was still as fine. Like the thing is, so Biden is at this point. I know it's hard to believe this. 
but he's stronger than he was yes, in 2020 he was, because he he's is. got the incumbency of being president. Mm-hmm. And like, you cannot discount that. But also, when Trump was in that position, he managed to even fumble the bag. And there's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's, there's no exactly. way that you can look at the situation that he's currently facing and be like, oh, he has a better shot now than right. he had in 2020. It's just no way. And the other thing Biden's done is like, I think people have this idea that like, because there's all this negative information about Biden, that it somehow makes him an easier candidate to beat. And it's, it's really the opposite. Yeah. I, I know it sounds absurd, but if you think about it, like there's, there's a multi-billion dollar apparatus at work at all times aimed at discrediting Biden mm-hmm. and making him unpopular. Yeah. He is currently the most popular. <laughs> He's at least according to what what happens in these elections, where people actually turn out to vote. He's he's the most productive president at at winning elections for himself and for Democrats down the ballot. Yeah, like and that's with the billion dollar apparatus at work. You know, social media, Fox News, yeah, uh, Breitbart, and, and on and on. Um, if you know people are saying like, oh, you know, it's not too late for Biden to drop out and we can replace him with someone. Well, whoever you think might be an at replacement for Biden, once that billion dollar apparatus is aimed at them, they will most certainly lose. Okay, so yeah. check this out. I mean, th- okay, I know that in I think it was 2012, the Republicans spent a billion dollars on the presidency and they lost. Okay, so keep that in mind. Uh, Fred Pogue was on my show a while back and one of the things that he talked about was how um, Donald Trump is basically bleeding Republicans dry of money because everything is going to his court cost and so um, Fred messaged me today and he said one thing I failed to see Donald Trump is absolutely going to steal whatever remains Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. From the RNC to bail himself out to bail himself out financially if Lara Trump gets in there. So he says, we're going to see a deranged con man with no restrictions bankrupt a major political party. And it's already happening. We're already (laughs) seeing it happen. And it's like they spent a million dollars in 2012 and they lost. And now they don't have any money. Because I always would want to point out when people are saying, oh, my God, they're spending so much money. And it's like, well, that doesn't guarantee a win just because they, I mean, it it certainly helps them. And it's better when Democrats have a lot of money to spend, because I know Jamie Harrison has talked about, you know, at least uh, before the 2022 election, he talked about the fact that they were having trouble raising money. But money's not everything. And, you know, the kinds of messaging that I think, I think personally, the Democratic Party's messaging has been improving, especially like the Biden HQ, who's ever running that is so brilliant. And, you know, the Gen Zers are not watching um, Morning Joe. They don't give a shit what he has to say. Most Gen Zers (laughs) are not watching most Andrea Mitchell or any of these people that we're all screaming at. They're not even watching. So, you know, they're getting their news somewhere else. They're, I think they're getting their news, wherever they're getting it, it's, it's accurate because they're favoring the president that is doing for them, you know, all the things, whether it's getting rid of their school uh, debt or, or making insulin only $35. There, there's all these things that you know, we're going to feel this year, too. I think it's going to be as we lead up to the election, we're going to see the fruits of everything that he that Biden and the Democratic Congress passed. Um, you know, in the first two years. So that's all going to be playing out at the same time that Trump is crumpling and just turning into a mound of goo. So I, I you know, I'm always going to say, don't, you know, Bob Seska, don't get happy. Orange goo. <laughs> Orange goo. Thank you. Uh, we can't assume that he's going to win and get complicit and sit back. So I'm never going to say that, you know, always, always, always don't get happy. But you, but here's the, here's the thing. I think it's really important to be 
when we see reasons to be optimistic, to be optimistic, because there's a collective energy in, you know, there's momentum building and feeling like we're going to win. And so if we have this momentum building and we have the action behind it, there's better chance we're going to win, you know, as opposed to taking this, oh, Democrats always lose and we're, we're terrible at messaging and taking on that negative kind of context, I don't think helps anything. I mean, it's coming from a fear. I mean, we all have fear. We don't want Trump to win and we don't want a horrible Republican to win. But, but I mean, I can't help but feel enthusiastic about some of the shit I'm seeing because Republicans are just they're royally screwing themselves every single day. They have opportunities to say, oh, let's like, for instance, when Roe v. Wade uh, was killed, they had opportunities to handle it in such a way. Instead, they doubled down and they want to make it like a federal law that our abortions are illegal. And they're, what they're doing with the border right now, I know I'm covering everything, but we can get to these things individually. But just Yeah, I was going to say you're absolutely prepared to talk to Jasmine this evening. well i'm gonna try to let her talk more but but yeah i mean there's like they keep fucking themselves over and on this whole border thing oh my god so yeah my my bigger picture thing here is i do see reason to be optimistic but we have to make sure we have you know engaged civic activity and action behind it so you know fyi (laughs) you've tackled an entire (laughs) civics class at that point Uh, yeah i'm optimistic too but again like the optimism comes from a place of also do the work right like i absolutely the idea at this point that no matter how optimistic or pessimistic you may feel about the potential chances in 2024 if you turn out the vote biden will win that's Mm -hmm. that's that's what it is end of story yeah um but yeah, it, you know, it it does also help to feel like you <laughs> you're probably sitting in a good position, so yeah. you're not ripping your hair out for the next, exactly. you know, eight or nine months. Um, I'll just be ripping but, my hair out the night of. <laughs> I'm saving it. <laughs> I'm saving it for that <laughs> night. <laughs> right. Well, I want to circle back to point number one. Okay. Because I feel like it is of all the things you said, it's, it's actually the most important. Mm-hmm. It, it is the money. Yeah. And not because, you know, money wins you elections. It, it is because with no money, it's impossible yes. to win. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I feel like that's rather obvious. And I, was, I was also giggling that you brought that up because I was just talking about that yesterday um, in the pod with Boozy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you haven't signed up for Spoutable, make, make sure you go ahead and create your account so you can participate in those. Yeah. Um, those are fun. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna be what more we're going to that. see for the first time in modern political history, at least as far as America is concerned, is a presidential election cycle where one party has all the money and the other party has no money. I don't think <laughs> we've ever seen that before. Uh, it's yeah. some totally new shit. Uh, thank you, Donald Trump, every yeah. day for inventing some shit we've never seen before. It's incredible. He's like the Wimbenyama of politics. Um, it's bananas. Um <laughs> And like one one issue Republicans are going to have is that normally, like you said, they spent a, a billion dollars a decade ago and still lost. Um, well, Trump spent a billion dollars nearly over the past three and a half years. It's mm-hmm. insane. No one knows where the money went because mm-hmm. everyone forgets that Trump raised a gazillion dollars for the 2020 election, mm-hmm. right? He lost. Mm-hmm. What did Trump immediately start doing after he lost the 2020 election? He started raising money. Yeah. <laughs> like he raised somewhere close to, I mean, I think it's north of three and a half. I mean, three quarters of a billion dollars wow. between the end of the 2020 election, like after the post 2020 election. And now where is that money? Mm-hmm. Where did it go? It's like, all in the lawyer's pockets. Up in smoke. <laughs> yeah, you can go, you can like hit the Google button and, and pull up, you know, cash on hand for mm-hmm. Trump and his pack. And I think between, you know, Trump's personal, fin- well, not his personal, political finances and the RNC, they've got like $20 million in cash on hand. Wow. Maybe. And, and wow. Biden and the DNC and Biden Super PAC have somewhere close to at least $110 million wow. cash on hand. That's insane. Yeah. I, if you know anything about like the funding yeah. of a presidential election cycle, to have no money at this time of year as the primaries are going on is yeah. fucking bananas. <laughs> but not only that, like 
all the money that Trump raised from November of 2020 until now, that's money that the, would that would be flowing into their pockets mm-hmm. that they'll never see. Mm-hmm. Trump spent all this time tapping the small donors of the Republican Party dry, and now there's nothing left to give when they really need it. Mm-hmm. And even if they had it, like you said, like the dude is facing so many legal issues in so many jurisdictions, both criminal and civil, that I, I don't know what the actual burn rate is to fund his legal defenses. Um, again, because like some of those numbers have, are obscured by the way he's spending uh, his political action committee money. But it's got to be somewhere in the realm of, you know, 10, 12, 15 million dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not paying that out of his pocket. So if that money is being taken away from whatever campaigning he would be doing later on this year against Biden and being spent on his legal fees, like, what the fuck campaign (laughs) will this look like? Will they be able to afford a single ad? I don't know. He better be happy that Elon Musk took over Twitter and might give him a little discount on some Twitter ads. But again, like, I don't know who's going to see that shit besides the bots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane, the the history we're living through right now. And I, you know, I mean, none of us really know exactly how this is all going to pan out. The thing that really does upset and scare me is the way our media is handling this, because... You know, like, so bad. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm traumatized still. <laughs> <It's> so bad. <laughs> I like am traumatized day. because that we have to rely on media to be the one place we can go. And you know, for instance, like with MSNBC, I don't. I've said this before, but it's not that they're lying to us, but they're only in in many cases, not all. People like Lawrence O'Donnell. I know that you know he has to follow the directions of whatever he's told he can and can't report on. But I, I totally trust him. I really like Lawrence O'Donnell. I like usually like all of the nighttime um, hosts. I, I enjoy all of them. But the thing is, is that what we're getting from the media as a whole is only part of the story. When you only interview Trump voters and you're ignoring Biden, Biden voters, you're only getting one part of the story. And that's one of the problems of the news media. But I guess I, I guess the thing that at least gives me hope is that, you know, like I was saying earlier, a lot of young people, they're turned off by this. They're not interested in the horse race. They're not really paying attention to it. And what I what I do hope comes from this, because I think it's a complete meltdown of the way we get our news, I hope that some somebody starts up a new news organization that's kind of based on, you know, the gatekeepers, based on how it used to be. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I think that young people are watching what we're all going through, and they I'm, I know they don't like it. I know they feel worried. They're worried about climate. They're worried about abortion. They're worried about guns. I mean, there's so many things they're worried about. And I think they're, I think at some point, somebody's going to say, hey, we have to change you know, how we're uh, communicating. And it starts starts with the news media. So I mean, I just hope because like that, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said the pendulum always swings. So right now we're in a really very negative place where our news media is concerned. And I, again, have a hopeful. I mean, I'm hopeful, but I don't know. I have no predictions on how this will go. I just hope it turns out that we, um, I don't know, can find a, a better way to get news out there that people feel they can trust like everyone's a, a MAGA could watch it and trust it I mean I don't know if uh, we can't have MAGA anymore <laughs> we just can't <laughs> we can't let them know. fucking rule anything my concerns anymore. about the media again it's not I don't want to say they're all bad because that's not no they're not not necessarily what I have the largest problem with is just if you say the word media in general as it pertains to political coverage mm-hmm. is how things are framed yes that's, exactly. that's my main concern yeah. right because you can take any set of facts and portray them however you want to mm-hmm. and you can frame them in a way that presents a, a positive story or a negative story for either side if you really want to go through all of that effort effort and it seems as though the media has taken the circuitous route mm-hmm. of framing whatever the stories happen to be in in favor of insanity yeah and i just don't understand like I hate to even do this. I'm gonna bring up John Stewart for a second. Don't kill me. Um, so, <laughs> as you're aware, John Stewart is back. Yes. Yay! Back hosting the Daily Show one day a week. Um, and of course, for his debut show, 
the show debut or Lisa's return, he chose to tackle the issue of Biden's age, which totally fine. I get it. It is basically the story of the month this week. Yeah. And uh, it's totally understandable uh, topic to choose is your, your re-entry into the political landscape, your return on TV. Mm -hmm. How exactly did Jon Stewart plan to tackle the issue of Joe Biden's age saying, well, they're both old. Oh my God. He both sides it. Jesus fucking Christ. Right. Um, like we live in a world where it appears as though like Joe Biden's job performance doesn't actually matter in regards to his age, which the only reason you're concerned about his age in the first place is that you're worried that he won't be able to do the job. Well, he's clearly been doing the fucking job. Why does no one ever say that? Exactly. You should know better. But again, like, you know, a lot of people have these same complaints about John Stewart from 2016, right? They're like, oh, you know, you're both sides, Hillary and Trump, and now you're back doing the same thing. Hopefully, fingers crossed, this, you know, this was his, he's exhausted his material on Joe Biden's age on day one. Yo, let us hope. We can move forward. But that is a microcosm of the macrocosm yes. with the media coverage. Well, I just have to throw in there that, he didn't seem to have a problem with Bernie Sanders being an older man. So I, I ain't have time. I didn't want to make this a four hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm not, I don't really want to talk about him just because he pissed me off. And, you know, I, I, all I'll say is I saw somebody on threads defending him and saying, you know what, there's a lot of independents out there, um, you know, who feel this way and, and they have to be addressed. And it's like, so we're going to win independence with ageism. I don't think so there. You know, I, I get that there's a lot of independents out there who don't like Joe Biden for one reason or another. Why are you trying to say, yeah, we agree he's too old as a as a way to pull them over? It's like, that's not going to pull them over. What's going to pull them over uh, is convincing All right, Kimberly, him. you can scrap the rest of the podcast. We're just going to talk about this <laughs> until the end of time. Um, I'll give you another example of like, just, I hate to do this. Uh, first of all, the other day, I, I guess it's been more than a week now, Trump had a, held, a, held a fucking rally where in front of cameras broadcasting all over the internet, he accused a migrant of shoplifting a fucking refrigerator and no one had the sense of mind to be like, damn bro, where'd you see that at? What store were you at? Really? Shoplifting? Have you like, you're going to take the refrigerator and put it on your back and run out of the store with it. Like like, no one, like when Trump says these insane things, not only does it get no, get zero news coverage, no one even asks him a fucking question about it. It's like, well, Trump held another rally today Mm -hmm. and Republicans seemed fired up. Like what kind (laughs) of fucking news coverage is this? Again, you see what I'm saying? The framing issue. Yes. Um, Now I'm like, it's not that I'm a fan of MSNBC. It's just that like major media outlets have all moved so far right Mm -hmm. in the last five years that they've totally lost me. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, they're, they're on this appease the dictator program in hopes that they won't end up in pogroms like the rest of us. I don't know. Um, But look, I'm a fan of rather I used to be uh, fairly supportive of listening to Ari Melba's show on the MSNBC and then you remember when we had this issue with <laughs> Republicans not being able to choose the Speaker of the House yes. because they, t- they took the insane route of getting rid of Kevin McCarthy for someone dumber than Kevin McCarthy <laughs> you remember that? I do um, so Ari Melbourne took the opportunity on his show to open with the segment blaming Democrats <sighs> For the failures of the Republican Party, yeah. saying that Repub- the Democrats were responsible for House Speaker Mike Johnson. Now, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm fairly affluent with the use of the Twitter, uh, you know, <laughs> X as it is now. I, I like to call it Twix. You know, if you combine <laughs> Twitter and X, you get Twix. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm not a Republican, so I'm left Twix. Right. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so I posted, was like, hey, man, this Ari Melbourne thing, this is fucking bananas. <laughs> like, Republicans are wholly responsible for this. They're the ones who took control of the House, 
change the House rules so that a single member could recall the Speaker of the House and force a vote. And that's exactly what Matt Gates did. Mm-hmm. Do why you out here blaming Democrats. Somebody need to pull this dude off the air. <laughs> now, I didn't tag Ari Melber. <laughs> Tell me why, when I woke up the next day, Ari Melber had me blocked on Twitter. Really? And then, yeah, he had me blocked on Twitter. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Somebody must have snitch tagged me. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Or maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he follows me on his burner account. He's like the <laughs> Kevin Durant of politics. <laughs> he, he might be sensitive. I don't know. Um, and then he got on, he had the nerve. Because, look, it was a flat-out lie, what he yeah. said. It, it, it really was. Like, there's no way around it. Like, I, And this is coming from a dude who's telling you, hey, I'm practically an R.E. Melba fan. Mm-hmm. Turn on the TV next day. R.E. Melba show comes on. You know what he has the nerve to do? Hmm. To look straight into the camera and tell the entire country that Democrats were responsible for Kevin McCarthy not having a job and ended up with Mike Johnson. I'm like, oh my <sighs> fucking God. Wow. He knows he's lying. Yeah. And then he had the nerve to make a point to reiterate it the yeah. next day. And it's like, oh, I'm out. I don't trust the media. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, he pissed me off a long time ago when he referred to Julian Assange as a journalist. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. And he and I, you know, he never blocked me, but I I did uh, tag him many many times, and I kept telling him this is disingenuous. What you're saying isn't true, and he just, of course, he ignored me. And this was back when you know before Elon, so I had my verification badge. I know he saw it, and he just ignored. So I mean, I you know he gets a lot of tweets. I you know I don't know that he reads every single tweet, but I would I I, I tweeted him. Well, but so here's many the thing, times. though. At least with like the Julian Assange thing, you can be like. All right, bro, you're taking some liberties with right. this journalistic liberties, thing right. with Assange. Yeah. Like, you could kind of maybe make an argument that some of the things Assange used to engage in were journalistic endeavors, even if they were covered for more nefarious shit. What the fuck explanation do you have for him blaming Democrats for Republicans exactly. being a disaster? Like, yeah. I have not. Like, it's indefensible. And that was, like, the point at which I realized, like, hey, there's there's no one on TV that you can really trust. Like, you hope they do a good job, mm-hmm. but they're probably going to lay you down. Don't mm-hmm. put your faith in these people. Yeah. And, like, I, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more concerned about... I mean, you know, that, that just means we have to do our part. Yeah. Like, we can't rely on these people to save us. And it was the same thing with, like, Robert Mueller. It was like, right. hey, man, it's cool. Hope you get him. But if right. not, we're going to do our part. It's yeah. the same thing with the media. It's the same thing with Jack Smith. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the same thing with however it might be going down in Georgia with Tony Willis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's We're going to have to we, rely on ourselves to save the day. And that's always been the story. And that's what I've been saying, you know, since Trump was president. We can't rely on Mueller. We can't rely on X. We have to rely on ourselves to show up and vote. And we did. You know, I mean, we did vote for Hillary. We did vote for uh, Biden, although fortunately in that case, the Electoral College um, you know, but I mean, look, Arizona went blue because of Donald Trump. So that's why I have, you know, I have some faith that this time around, I'm not so excited about the Senate. I don't know what's going to happen there, although I do think there are paths for us to keep the Senate. But we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Well, our path for us to keep the Senate, I hate to ruin it for you, but it's probably Trump getting indicted and ending up in a position where he's not on the ballot. Well, yeah, so, like, I mean, that, 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 would be, that would be a path. And, and um, I mean, and it's a very narrow path. I mean, I think, I don't think we should absolutely assume that they're going to win, but I think we have to have a very sobering look at the reality of the fact that they are, you know, they have fewer seats to defend and, you know, it, it, they're favoring it. But there are things that could happen. And like, for instance, the thing with the border right now, they're pissing off so many people who take this very seriously and that could have effect on the Senate vote. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm not a I'm not a psychic. I don't know. But I, I, I do think there are paths. I'm I'm not hopeful, and it, it's yeah. not that I, it's not that I'm like disparaged by it. Right. It's just the math is what it is. Exactly. Probably yeah. gonna lose the Senate by a seat, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, and we would likely have a better shot if Joe Manchin hadn't decided to exactly. be a bitch. But you know you can't rely on Joe Manchin to not, not be for a bitch. Anything. So <laughs> we, was, we shouldn't have put our eggs in that basket anyway. Yeah. Um. You know, like if he was still running for the Senate, probably have a good shot. 
breaking 50-50. But yeah. the thing is, the reason why we even have a shot in the first place is because people, my people's down in GA, they mm-hmm. turned up yeah. and turned out in 2020 to put our guys in the Senate. You know, of course, it was it, it was a short-lived celebration because Trump tried to overthrow the government the next yeah. day. But, you know, having uh, Warnock and Ossoff in the Senate in 2020 put us in a position to be in a, in a place where we're even thinking it's feasible mm-hmm. in 2024. So the, and he, that's like another lesson. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many consequences that stem from actions that people took years ago. Mm-hmm which is the reason why you need to do everything in your power, every opportunity that you get so that like you don't have to deal with unforeseeable consequences down the line yeah. or, you know, to prevent or rather to be in a position where you have the opportunity to create some positive outcomes in the future. It's mm-hmm. like if we hadn't showed up or rather had Democrats in Georgia not shown up in 2020, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Yeah. We'd be like, I guess, I guess Biden's just gonna go four years not appointing any judges, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or at this point, it, you know, we'd be talking about eight years of right of Biden not appointing any judges. So I just, you know, well, take I'm, that I'm as exactly an there. To yeah. Reflect on the actions you should be taking now to benefit yeah. yourself in the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not overly hopeful about the Senate, but I think I, I'd like to be surprised, and I think there is a small little opportunity for that to happen but you know and keep in mind everybody the senate is not gerrymandered so for all of you out there who say it's not worth it show up it is worth it because it is not gerrymandered and it's a totally different story than the house so i mean that's the other thing i think sometimes in red states there's a lot of democratic voters who feel like well my vote isn't going to count and it keeps them home so don't stay home and vote and all that good stuff but you know what we're coming to the end of the show there's so many other topics that we just didn't get to so we're you're just gonna have to come back (laughs) we'll get to them later (laughs) okay look if you want to kidnap me and just hold me hostage and ask me questions for 24 hours straight you're more than welcome to like just don't tie me up i wouldn't want bob to get any ideas or anything going on you're not a funny willis down there like it's totally platonic over here you have to engage in those type of activities to get the job done <laughs> well we'll, de- we'll definitely be doing this soon enough because yeah as i said i mean you make my life and my job so easy so why wouldn't i want to have you back on all the time <laughs> no you know I, i'm happy to oblige happy yeah well awesome all right well then as i as i ask all of my guests at the end of the show tell everybody please tell everybody where to find you you can find me on on the twitter of twix rather <laughs> at uh, at Black Knight 10K. I'm also on the thread, Spoutable. I think it's D Knight 10K at each of those. And you can definitely check me out on the Pardon the Insurrection podcast. If you just search for Insurrection podcast, like I'm sure we'll pop pop up pretty close to the top because we're the only good one. Um, <laughs> by the way, never forget January 6th, motherfucker yeah. tried to overthrow the government. We got to make him pay. And the way you can help me do that is to subscribe to the pod, help us grow our little audience. and um, make sure this shit doesn't happen again because Jesus Christ I'm not going to survive another four years of Trump he's, he's going to start cooing on day one yeah I mean it won't be four years it will be until he dies and then we'll get like Ivanka or something so yeah we can, <laughs> we, we cannot we cannot <laughs> afford that at all and of course you know I'm on all I'm just on everywhere I'm, not, I'm just giving up giving all my um <laughs> the names yeah, I have on every it's too many I, I wish I would have just had one uniform handle but I don't so I'm Kimberly Johnson you can find me I know you can thank you D-Knight it's always such a pleasure talking to you yeah.